it's time to play the music, it's time to light the lights, it's time to meet the Muppets on your fest tonight, the podcast that's all about festivals. I'm one of your hosts, Johnny Sharples, and I'm joined as ever and always by my mustachioed co-host, the Waldorf to my Statler, it's Tommy Stewart. Tommy, welcome to the Your Fest show. Uh, good to be here, good to be on the Your Fest show, uh, the Your Fest planning committee. Uh, no, that was actually... Uh, that was my favourite intro you've done so far. Like, I, I'm not, not slugging off the cowboy one, but uh, I, I don't think this has actually maybe not been revealed on the podcast yet, but we're both big Muppets fans, aren't we? Uh, we are. I'm both big um, Muppets. Muppets. Many would <laughs> say. Um, for anybody that hasn't listened to this podcast before, it's not just all about the Muppets. Do you want to give a little brief explainer um, what the whole concept is? Yeah, so every week we get a guest on, nailed it, to uh, to go through their dream festival of all time. So it can be any artist, any act, and well, as you find out, there's actually a new aspect to uh, who you can have on with this week's episode. Um, of all time, living or dead, three nights, three headliners, you choose a name of the festival and a location. And our guest joining us this week is Dane Baptiste. Dane Baptiste. Nearly. <laughs> You might have seen Dane on Live at the Apollo or on uh, Live at the BBC, or you might have heard him on his own podcast, Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. Um, he's a great comedian, uh, a very interesting person, very interesting outlook on the world. Um, as highlighted by his podcast, he's had, he's had some great guests on there, like Emil Heskey, for instance, one of my great footballing heroes. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how Dane plans his festival. Yeah, he's... Um... He's brilliant. Yeah, so I've also seen him on um, on Dave's uh, Comedians Giving Lectures, which he's, I don't know, he's just a really smart guy. Real, as you said, Johnny, really interesting. So I'm really looking forward to this. Should we listen to what he's got planned for his festival? Let's go for it. This is episode seven of Your Fest with Dame Baptiste. Yeehaw! Waka waka! That's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dane Baptiste, welcome to your fest and to your fest planning committee. Thank you for coming along today. Thank you for having me. You know, normally I hate admin, but I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very admin heavy um, concept for a podcast. Um, hopefully you haven't brought any spreadsheets like previous guests have or reams of A4 with all your plans on them. There's nothing Absolutely. wrong with that. Nothing Absolutely with not. I'm, I'm, nah, I'm more of an innovator. I depend on you guys to be the levitators and get it going. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm realistic. I'm not like Donald Trump with the budgets, but, you know, <laughs> I tried to focus on the creative aspect of the whole festival. That's good news. Yeah. That's good news. Although money's no object, is it? We're, we're relying on some sponsorship from like Squarespace or Beer 52 and they'll, they'll pay yeah. for the whole festival. Make as expensive oh. as you want. Done and done. And uh, there's going to be hecka hecka gambling, probably. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> money on the premises, baby. <laughs> Um, are you a fan of festival music festivals, festivals as a whole, or are they? I am. Um, I think I'm a fan of attending. I'm not a fan of staying, and that's basically much it. I love the whole aesthetic and the idea of music festivals. I love how they work. I love how inclusive they are, how eclectic they are. I just don't like going anywhere without indoor plumbing. <laughs> yeah, that's my yeah. thing. It's the indoor plumbing, and then it's even the. Uh, yeah, and just the lack, yeah, the lack of the, the lack of being able to wash your hands. And uh, I went to a festival once, and I 
wasn't able to have a bowel movement for 72 hours. So <laughs> was that by choice oh, or by that was psychosomatic? Yeah, it was like there is no way I'm opening my bowels in here. <laughs> and I'd be like in the porter cabin, and my stomach would be like, nope, <laughs> no, 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 not here. Like, cause it was just, cause it's like you're just like when people say like you're just pouring more gasoline onto the fire. You're doing that, but the gasoline is feces, and the fire is <laughs> other people's feces. Yeah, and that's why. Yeah, that's a, that's the main thing. And sleeping in a tent, and just being and just being around yeah. people from people haven't washed for more than a day. What festival was it? Because I've been oh, to a few, so I want to know what toilet it was. That was a latitude, and um, right. it was the nice. That's toilet. quite a posh one, though, isn't it? Quite yeah, it was. One. But my, I don't know if I've got an eye in the back of my butt, but it wasn't having it. It was like. <laughs> No, no. So I mean, it might be it might be the weather as well. I think, um, yeah, I've I've just yeah, taking a dump in a tin tin of beans is just not on my bucket list. And well, for, for first festival I went to, um, I, and weirdly I don't think I've ever told this on on this podcast before, but my dad advised me. I was sixteen years old, and he said to take um, what's the stuff that makes you stop? Emodium. Emodium. He said, "Take." He said, "Take that because you don't." My, my dad's a proper clean freak, um, to a, a quite a frightening extent, really. Anyway, he said, "Yeah." <laughs> he said, "I mean, this whole COVID thing's been brilliant for him. He absolutely. He's been hand sanitizing since like before it was cool." But yeah, um, he. Uh, so he said, "Take it," and it is the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. I would never take it again. Because <laughs> the, Tommy's not been Monday... to the toilet since. That's the problem. Oh no! The, the Monday, no, the Monday morning. I mean, the whole the rest of that week when I returned, oh, I won't go into it. But, and he'll be disgusted when he's listening to this. So I know he listens to every episode. So sorry, Dad, but do not do that. Um, you were lucky that your body did it itself. Yeah, my body. It was just like we can wait. I think it was like. <laughs> I knew when I was going home, my buddy was like, no, we can wait a little bit. We can wait. Just, well, we got, let's come wait into a service station. We can wait. And that's saying something, if you Robbie's, because service station toilets are often quite bad. They, so are, you, they are pretty bad, that's yeah. That's, that's how bad that is. That you've got to use a foot pedal to wash your hands in a service station. <laughs> that's the level of hygiene you're dealing with there. So that's how bad it was. Like your Jimi Hendrix, wash your hands, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Oh god! So is, is, toilet chat. Yeah, <laughs> toilet chat is, takes up a lot of this podcast. I'm, you know, I think the the festival. It's a big are part of my festival experience. It really, really is. Like, I think the best ones I've had, I've seen, uh, as in like outdoor toilets, was uh, at a V Festival in Chelmsford, and I yeah. got to go to like the VIP uh, part, and they did some good toilets there. And um, Leeds Festival has some good ones as well. Um, really. Yeah, Leeds when was this? Um, I was in Leeds and Reading, I think, uh, two, no, last year, and it was pretty decent. I mean, so to be fair, I've not, I've not been, yeah, I've not been there for like eight years or something. So I'm always doing. I'm always going to toilet as an artist. I should, I should give that caveat. Ah, uh-huh, well, because <laughs> if you no, I don't. I can't shit in Gen Pop. I can't. <laughs> I, I will not shit in Gen Pop. I just can't do it. <laughs> so you know where they're hiding all the good toilets, Tommy. Next time you go to a festival, try and get backstage. Pretend well, you know, I should, part of the comedy one, tent. Well, one of my I should have like made one of my fucking five bands be successful. Like if, if one of them were good, maybe I would have experienced it at some point. Definitely good, Tommy. There's gonna be wristband good. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be that good. It can be wristbands. It could be like another lackluster performance from these guys. You'll be like, oh, I can't hear from here. I'm having a comfortable, comfortable bowel movement. <laughs> 
It's up. It's got to be good enough to get you backstage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, well, I, I, I mean, I say that there's some. Fuck, if you look at like lineups, there are some terrible ones on there. So you know. Yeah, I think I think sometimes they probably old guys are looking at it and they go, "Now nah, these guys deserve to shit in Gen Pop." Hey, book them. <laughs> book them. <laughs> book them. I know because a lot of comedians will take because a lot of people take uh, like uh, gigs for free festival tickets and they, and they can just like mail it in and then be like, "That's my that's my twenty minutes now for my festival." So I mean, I'm, I can't really do that because the thing about festivals is that if you do bomb, you got to walk around the festival and see the same people again and again. Can make for a very long weekend or week. Right. But um, no, I, how is how is what what's like the we we speak about because we talked to a lot of comedians and we speak about latitude a lot. Um, what's the sort of are are they kind of the equivalent of the rock stars at latitude? Are, are they are, they, are you like the, are you guys the same level? Because I know it's as much about the comedy of that festival as it is about yeah, the it's music. much more comedy emphasis. I think that is that is to an extent part of it. I I don't know if we have this complete dominance because there's obviously still uh, musical acts to a uh, headline. So I think I've done when an Ed Sheeran kind of showed up in the forest or something. So I think when rock stars actually show up, they're still the rock stars. But I think for most of most of the time of there, it's a. Uh, I think it's more just a, an audience that's that's prepared to listen rather than just elevate you to the status of rock star. It's just that you have a lot more places where you can perform comedy properly without the noise bleed and all of the interference. So um, no, nah, we're still not rock stars. That's why we're comedians. <laughs> 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 was Ed Sheeran meant to be in the forest, or was it just a big coincidence that he was just? I know it was a secret habitat. thing. I know the secret thing is, is basically I went to uh, I went to Latitude with my girlfriend at the time. Then I had to go and do a preview because I was doing a show for Edinburgh later on in the year. So I think Latitude's in July, so the festival's in August. So I had to do my set, then drive down to Bracknell and do a preview. And while I was doing a preview, my girlfriend who got a free ticket to Latitude was watching Ed Sheeran in the forest. <laughs> and when I came. <laughs> And when I came back, her and her friends had drunk all the drinks that I'd made, which was nice. So, what drinks did you make? I'd made a few rum punches and stuff and a few mixes and stuff to save some money. And her and her friends helped themselves to it. And I was like, well, okay, let's call that strike. Is that, why, is, is that why you broke up? <laughs> it's part of it. Because the second time, I, I'm serious, because I basically did that shoot about three times. And then I was like, I don't need to do this anymore. I was going to have a summer. And then she got booked to do Latitude. And I was like, congratulations, well done. And she's like, yeah, but I don't have a car. So can you drive me there? And I'm like, so none of your friends have cars or don't you have any friends? So then I had to go to Latitude again and drive her there with her friend. So she has a friend who doesn't have a car. Um, her friend didn't bring, a friend who offered no, nothing in the way of petrol money, I have to stress to add as well. And, wow. then, and then he bought some very old Pret and sandwiches. And she had a great time because she didn't have to do fuck all because they're all coming through artist camping. So she get a free ticket because of me. Doesn't have to do any work. Doesn't have to use the same toys as gen population. See all the shows. Then I'm the only one that's working. Then she did a show in a cabaret tent that nobody watched, I guess. <laughs> and then... <laughs> I, even if you can't afford petrol money, at least, like, if we do a stop at a service station, buy some water or drinks or something for everyone to share. Even if you roll me a cigarette. Something! Yeah, 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 yeah. That's something wow. rather than, because I've already done with Latitude. I don't even need to be there. And also, when I go to Latitude, I'm not doing a cabaret tent. I get to do the comedy tent. So now I'm having to drive you up to give you a chance to do Latitude. Not been asked back. Surprise, surprise. And <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I think yeah. I don't know if that's the segue we're going to, but that's the bad thing about festivals is hangers on. I've had lots of like tickets and gotten complimentary tickets to festivals or to like live performances. 
and the people that I bring are almost always ungrateful. Yeah, no, I've, I, I mean, I've experienced that on a on a way smaller scale. But there's there's a festival in, um, yeah, there's a festival in Manchester called, uh, well, Salford, I suppose, called Sounds from the Other City. Thank have you, you ever been, for, Johnny? I have. Thank you for um, reiterating that it's in Salford and not in Manchester. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny's very Johnny's very sensitive about this, like the, mm. the Manchester. Like we we live a couple of miles from each other, but I'm technically Manchester and he's Salford. It's not the same. Um, it's not the same. I've been yeah. there. It's not. It's the, not. The Lowry Theatre. This is one for the comedians. The Lowry Theatre is in Salford. Don't say you've got a Manchester date when you're playing the Lowry. You've got Salford Keys. Yes. If you're in Manchester, you better do the Gorilla or the store at Deansgate. It's not the same. <laughs> Thank you, Dane. Very true. Anytime. Frog and Bucket is Manchester. All right. Exactly. Yeah, but it. Uh, it's only people from, it's only people from, uh, it's like the whole Android iPhone thing. It's, it's only people from Salford who care, like, you know, but it's, <laughs> yeah. fine. it's fine, it's fine, it's <laughs> fine. Like, like, you know, the Android, the, the, the iPhone Android thing, it's only the people of Android who care. It's like, I don't iPhone, know. We've got, we've got people, iPhone people just like, yeah. Imagine having an Android and living in Salford. Imagine what that's like, Tommy. Imagine that's what that's so like. rebellious. It's a different dimension almost. I mean... <laughs> It's like when people go to Croydon, they say, I'm in Croydon, something, something. Croydon's in Surrey. It's a greater London, yeah. it's in a greater London borough. Croydon is in Surrey. It's in zone five. <laughs> How far out is it from like, I always wonder this. Isn't it, isn't it's from like somewhere it's like- set in Croydon. Yeah, it's from somewhere like, from somewhere like Elephant Castle, which is like SE1, which is just, just near central London. It's a yeah. good hour and, hour and 50 minute drive. It's- What? Well, that's, that's, that's not London then, is it? Exactly, zone six. You can't drive for nearly yeah. two hours and still be in the same city. I think that's yeah, a good exactly. rule. I mean, with the current way traffic is, you could. Croydon's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the is a part of the Greater London Borough, but it's always nice to like give them banter and be like, "Yeah, you're in Surrey, buddy. Just uh, do a drive by on a goat or something." <laughs> so getting, oh, on, getting on to your festival, Dane. Are we having it uh, in this country where we can drive, or do you fancy having it abroad, or what location are we going for? It's abroad, and I have the exact place. Some of you may or may not know, but recently, a very corrupt billionaire's island has just become free. Now, now we have a lovely island in the Caribbean that is completely uninhabited, but has all the amenities that are fit for the height, height of luxury. Oh, mate. I think Watch you should be very careful with your guest list for this festival, if that's right. Oh, no, no. The guest list, though, that guest list is absolutely fine. I mean, really, and like I said, I mean, we'll, go, we'll get back to into the festival, but trust me, we're going to be giving back to the people with use of this island. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, what's, it, what's it actually called, the island? Do we know? Uh, we're, gonna, we're, just gonna, we're gonna call it the Consent Island now. <laughs> <laughs> island of, the Island of Consent. It's called it's called Little St James if you want to give it the um... yeah yeah or Little yeah. St James but yeah the full name is the Island of James Consent. <laughs> <laughs> I very much like the idea of anybody that's listening to this that doesn't know what we're alluding to just like, now googling what Little St James is and just falling down a rabbit hole of yeah. oh, having to pause the podcast for about four days. While they... yeah. I mean, so, if yeah. they don't know, they don't they don't deserve like. Yeah, <laughs> come, on, come on. Get on the Netflix get, documentary. Get There's all exactly. sorts on there. Have a look. Um, but yeah, so but we're not going to border the negative. We're taking all of that, all of those yep. earnings, all of that corruption, and making it something positive. All the resources yes. that were ill-gotten gains 
from that mm -hmm. particular island, we are making it into something positive, and this will be the site of this festival where we're going to enjoy a revival of, uh, of, of of happiness. I do worry that when I we put this episode onto Instagram and I every episode tag the location um, in the post, I do worry that the FBI are going to be coming down to Salford and knocking on my door. Like, why, why are you in St. James? It's, like, it's, 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 click, it's clickbait. It's clickbait. <laughs> and then when they get there, we'll be like, but why not do that? <laughs> yeah. I, was saying, this I would, love it. I think asset seizure would be one of the biggest ways to uh, punish the people involved. You know, 100%. If, we can't, if, we can't, if we can't leave them to rot in a cell, we'll leave them broke. What's what, Dame? What are you calling the festival? This is going to be called the Laughter Life Festival. The Laughter, Laughter Life, yeah, Laughter Life Festival. Nice, it feels like a bit of a juxtaposition to have something called the Laughter Life taking place on and Little St. James, but like you say, spin it for the positive, spin it for the positive. Yeah, yeah. and we're no, we're no strangers to irony on this island. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Taking up the scale is this uh, latitude on this, like, yeah, on, an, on an, I guess, a, a much larger scale. And it's a um, festival which allows people to celebrate the people that are here and the people that are no longer with us. And nice. uh, from both the music and comedy world. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a music and comedy festival, then? Yeah. It's, um, it's, and uh, yeah, the emphasis is on. Our emphasis is on giving people flowers while they're still here. I say that to say this. We have taken a large portion of the island and dedicated that to a coppicing drive where we're going to be replanting trees and having enormous botanical gardens for the aesthetic pleasure of the uh, attendees. of, And also just to create a place of natural beauty, which is uh, going to be unspoiled by human uh, um, destruction. So that's how, you know, and we just have all this exotic flora, which also allows us to find us a festival. It makes it for a very nice festival. So That's yeah, a be beautiful concept, man. This is it, yeah. So then, so the idea, of laughter life, is that it's. Uh, I got. I think I got the idea from about like 2016 when we had the massive celebrity side where everybody died, and I was like, God, there's so many people I'm never gonna be able to see. And I was like, Well, what if we could make them see? So it's basically come and celebrate and have fun in an island which now becomes the world's largest uh, seance, and <laughs> we would evoke the spirit and the beings of uh, past artists that have touched generations. That's beautiful, man. Gen genuinely. Um, we'll have to put all that on the poster. I don't know how big this poster is going to be. That. And we get and you get like golden. You don't get wristbands. You get like halos instead. <laughs> oh, fucking love that! Before you go to the the good toilets, you have to show them your halo, and then uh, yeah. you get oh, they're all good toilets on this island. They're all good toilets. <laughs> they're all good toilets. Not only are they all good toilets, hygienic and sustainable, and and we're making natural compost in order to continue with our drive of like tree replanting and our botanical gardens on the other side of uh, St. James Island. Nice, nice, nice. Not um, even finished there, you know what's even better? Let's say you do want to take a dump in Gen Pop, Johnny. The toilets are all in the shape of Jeffrey Epstein's mouth. How good is that? <laughs> <laughs> we got, so I was, I was just thinking to myself, how far can we get before we mention the name? <laughs> You want to take a that. shit on Jelaine Maxwell's face? You can at this place. <laughs> All the rhinos are Jelaine Maxwell's mouth being like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's the comedy festival too, guys. You have to be in the, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't be a comedy festival uh, otherwise. Um, I did not expect this. <laughs> <laughs> what, what days of the week are we having this festival? Uh, I feel like we're gonna have it. Uh, we'll do we'll do the weekend. 
Good. To go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Traditional. A very traditional format for what is becoming apparently obvious is not a very traditional festival. It's, <laughs> you know what? It, it's bringing to mind, it sounds like a, a, a good, like a functional fire festival, like what fire festival that's wanted exactly to be. What, that's, what, that's exactly what it is. That is exactly how it works. The only difference is, is that this festival, is, and this festival is also financed by corrupt bankers, but against their will. <laughs> <laughs> So me and Johnny have got to go like at, at gunpoint to the to the bankers to get them. Away. You can. I mean, that's like we have that as a little attraction. It's one of the tents. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to rob bankers in one of the. In the uh, Where they the usually have like the fun fair in the dodgems and the the big Ferris wheel. It's just exactly. like so you've got normal stuff. Like you go, can you pee in Galen Maxwell's mouth? You know. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a slap Katie. It's like a slap Katie Hopkins attraction. It's like the higher. Oh yes, please, yes, please. How you slap us? Pepper. This is this is quickly becoming my favourite festival. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to the music or the acts yet. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Attractions though. People love this kind of stuff as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, let's let's go with the first day. Who's who's the first headliner on Friday? Right. The first headliner on Friday is the legendary Kurt Cobain. I'm so happy Cause today Found my friends are in my head I'm so ugly That's okay Cause so are you Welcome here Sunday morning It's every day For all I care I'm not scared Light my candles In our days Cause I found God The way that uh, shows work at the Laughter Life Festival. So also, but there's, this is, he's for the music. And then on Friday, uh, Patrice O'Neill is the headliner at the comedy festival. I wish I never traveled for real, for real, because I, I could, I would like just never had travel outside this country, and then I could hate America and be happy. You know what I'm saying? But I traveled, and now it's like I'm now I like America, but I still hate. It's weird. I hate it, but. It, it's, it, it's nowhere better because all I got to really deal with is racist crackers like that and that's that's it's funny because like I don't black people really don't look at white people with like you're the oppressor anymore it's just something we do it's just like we like not liking white people and <laughs> white people like not liking us it's like it's just that's just what we do it's just because I'm not going nowhere and I'll kill a motherfucker he tell me to go like back to Africa but listen I'm talking <laughs> To black people, stop that fucking horse shit that go back to Africa shit. First of all, Africans don't like black people. That's first of all. <laughs> they don't like us. And what the fuck am I going to do in Africa? R.I.P. both of them. Exactly. Now, the way it works with a lot of the shows at, uh, at the Laughter Life Festival is that don't necessarily just have that particular act, even though they're headlining, what they'll normally do is perform with some of their more known songs. And then uh, they also bring out guests that uh, are relevant to their genre as well. So Kurt Cobain might be like, this is a reimagining of Smells Like Teen Spirit. 
lead guitar will be done by Jimi Hendrix. And then like, nah, I'm gonna yeah, so they bring people out and it's like they bring out all their friends. I love Hi. that. Um, I'm, how come, um, I, I mean, just because you're, you're the first, weirdly, the first comedian to ever mention comedians, which is great. Um, why, uh, why Patrice O'Neill? I think um, Patrice O'Neill kind of was on the cusp of uh, really discovering his opus with his last show, Elephant in the Room. Um, I think he has a real amazing level of respect from his peers um, because of where he was, the space that he was arriving at uh, artistically. Um, and yeah, I think he also works aesthetically as well because, you know, of his appearance. So, you know, very, pos very positive, very inclusive uh, aesthetic. And um, I also think it's important for comedians and artists in general to um, still understand in a very youth focused industry that you can be in your 40s and begin to be approaching your prime. So I think uh, Patrice is very important for that as well. And uh, yeah, I just think he's very honest and uh, yeah, provides a very um, strong narrative. I think Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld said recently that he's, he thinks he was, he was possibly the best or at least getting to be, yeah. was gonna become the best. And Bill Burr said the same. Buy that man's work. Cause I gotta tell you, man, that guy, no joke, is the funniest fucking dude I ever met in my life, and it's not even close. It's not even close, and you can't even... That dude was so funny, like, even his stand-up work only just <clears throat> captures, like, a sliver of how fucking funny that guy was. That guy, I'm telling you, like, him walking into a deli to buy a newspaper was funnier than most comedians I ever met. Is a festival you wouldn't be like, what would happen if these people were allowed to continue to entertain their artistic endeavors and stuff as well? So yeah, hopefully we can inspire. And it's uh, or maybe it's like if they were here today, who could they still work with? And so, yeah, it's um. I would. I'd love to see. Yeah, I'd love to know what where Kurt Cobain would have gone as well in terms of because he was such a principled. Like he had so much artistic integrity. I wonder. Oh, ahead of his time, so so ahead of his time. Like even if you think about like the aesthetic of grunge and stuff, and that there was an air of you know that aesthetic as well, moving away from heteronormative ideas about appearance and stuff and moving so far away from hair metal and, you know, even just being early outspoken about uh, mental health and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, just um, sort of ahead of his time. And uh, it'd be nice, hopefully, to have maybe some kind of quick podcast with these guys. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. it's not... I, I personally feel like we have to do, and this might be not so much the headline, but this would be the takeaway souvenir for everybody, is that there'll be like a podcast throughout the uh, three days of the festival where we do a and a for all of our, like, our, all of our headliners and stuff. And it's like, yeah. you, you just, we've woken up in 2020. How do you feel? And we'll, and we'll maybe give them the top 10 stories of 2020. I mean, Lord knows what those are at this stage, but yeah, we give them like the uh, headlines, headlines, uh, headlines of uh, 2020 and we just get their feedback on it. I think that Kirk Cobain, I'm a massive fan of grunge as a whole. And I think, like you say, it does get a bit of a bad rep because of what it became, like yeah. when the second wave of bands, third wave bands, like you got Nickelback and, and Creed and terrible grunge bands like that. But that first wave of grunge bands with Alice in Chains and Nirvana and, and people like that, like you say, that they were so pushing the boundaries at the time of not just the music, but like the aesthetics. And Kirk Cobain was very political without being, you know, it didn't well, yeah, without, without being so contrived and that's always the, and that was the kind of thing that yeah you lose with artists of his caliber and stuff like that as well but like i just said yeah getting those guys in there gotta get a bit of smashing pumpkins in there 
you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm happy with that. Jamie I'm very happy. I'm very happy with Smashing Pop. Like it's out Soundgarden. So it just, it just realised little showcase is taking you guys back, man. We're just the leader of that school. So yeah, right. Yeah, Chris, 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 like the thing with Nirvana was, and it's quite weird that they were sort of the outliers. Like Chris Cornell. Lane Staley of Alice in Chains and Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam were like three really good friends that got along together but then Kurt Cobain didn't really like them I think he about there's a good bit in a Pearl Jam documentary where Eddie Vedder explains that Kurt Cobain ended up ringing him up and apologizing for everything that he said negative about Pearl Jam and Kirk, uh, Eddie Vedder gets very emotional about that so I mm. think I think sometimes he was a bit he's shocking to be shocking but I, but I think there was a good, I, there was a really good person underneath it all as well. I think he was just on on his own, his own sort of plane. And like I think, I think the reason that they were the sort of the forefront of that scene is because, quite simply, they had the best songs. They wrote the best pop songs. Yeah. Like they wrote incredible pop songs. Um, and also the the a big thing about Kirk Banks, he was you know he was my hero when I was like twelve, thirteen. He was the first person who taught me about feminism. Like he yeah. he spoke about that shit like. And I was like, not saying I was a massive sexist when I was 12 or 13, I might have been, <laughs> I can't remember, but um, he kind of like, he always spoke about that and uh, spoke up for Courtney and, you know, told Axel Rose the, to fuck off because he was a fucking dinosaur. So yeah, yeah. big if up Kurt Cobain. If we bring him back Kurt Cobain as well, just before Kurt Cobain died, Michael Stipe was going out to meet him to collaborate on something, Michael Stipe of REM. Um, oh, wow. So, Hopefully, you get Michael Stipe on on stage with Kirk Vane and we can see what they were writing because I imagine I'd it would have been phenomenal. If you want, if you want to join it, it happens, man. It's the Afterlife Festival. Nothing is beyond Joe. Your imagination is the only limitation here. But <laughs> <laughs> right, we're getting we're getting we're getting into a grunge supergroup. We're getting Chris Cornell, Kirk Cobain, Blaine Staley, oh. Eddie Vedder, Billy Corgan, Michael Stipe. Get them all on stage together. What um, I was going to ask Dane what because you mentioned it touched on it briefly before but what modern artists would you like to see him collaborate with oh that's a good question i don't know i um there's a i mean the other artist i would have said but he's also passed away was xxx tentacion Yeah. So he was like a new rapper, yeah, really with a real eclectic style and I think with a lot of elements from like grunge and metal that was definitely permeated into his material. So and also came across as quite a tortured artist in many ways. Very tortured, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I'd like to see that. I kind of, I'm, I find it hard with Triple uh, X Tentation because I, I fucking loved his music. Um, like, and his, I thought his album was one of the best things, and so emotional as well. Like, but then there's that whole thing about his, you know, beating up his his pregnant girlfriend and stuff. So it's yeah. it's one of them, like. You know the art. How do you separate the art from the artist? But well, it's it's worth a discussion, man. It's it's a. Uh, I mean, it's not something we shy away from at a festival, and uh, I mean that's the idea is that, I guess we we give allow artists to give them an account of themselves, and uh, 
yeah, people kind of say wild shit at the same time and, and might, might do kind of things. But yeah, he, he's in no way not accountable for it. So I, yeah. I might, might want to hear it musically, but it wouldn't mean that like, I, if that was something that we'd pull him up on, I wouldn't be like, well, leave him alone because he's, he's an artist. Well, you know, the worst penalty you can pay, you could pay for being a piece of shit if he's dead. So he's already dead. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I'd love to, no, you're right though, I'd love to hear the music because a lot of his, a lot of his, well, a lot of these kind of, um, these like mumble rappers, I, I don't really like that as a broad term, but a yeah, lot exactly, of them are yeah. more, 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 more inspired by, um, like a lot of them say they don't even listen to, Lil, Lil Uzibert says he like doesn't consider himself hip hop. I get, I get that. He, he is though, but. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he, he definitely is. <laughs> I understand why people kind of move away from that estate, but I just thought what we'll do is that we'll do the proceeds from the first, some of the take, the take in revenue from the first day of the festival will be used and be distributed amongst uh, pro-feminist uh, and anti-misogynistic charities and causes globally. And so I've always been of the school is that rather than thinking of punitive measures for sex offenders or registers, why don't we find out who the victims are and get a register of them and we can find out how to remedy their trauma. So that's what we'll do with all the earnings from that first night, even if we do have an egg text sex tantasium performing, then all the proceeds from that will be uh, distributed uh, in order to help women's causes worldwide. Great, great stuff, man. Um, right, let's go to Saturday. Who's your uh, artist and comedian? Right, uh, so uh, Saturday, uh, our comedian is uh, Joan Rivers. Jolie is a friend of mine who is very charitable and love. Is she here? <laughs> Look for a woman with big. The men love that, They're like pelican lips. I have never seen. Very nice about it. You know, she'll stand at one end of the room and I'll be the other, and you'll throw sardines. Catch. And she's dark. She's a darling girl. Does anyone know her? All she wants to do is do good for people. And she was saying to me, if I can just make one person happy, Joan, I'll I'll die satisfied. I said, easy. Just give Jennifer Anderson back her husband. It is just... <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> nice. Rivers and uh, our artist is uh, Prince. Mm. Yes. Tommy's been waiting finally. for to mention Prince for days. <laughs> Fucking finally, man. One side, one side of the entire island looks purple from space. <laughs> yes. Oh, and, man. And, and the symbol just beams out from the island. You can project it as a hologram from space like it's the bat signal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, mate. It's it's time for, I think it's time for Tommy... 
Tommy to take the floor and <laughs> yeah. eulogize about Prince for about 10 no, minutes. No, I just, I, I can't believe, whenever I think of my lineup, I change it all the time, but the only mainstay is Prince. Like, he's the yeah. only one I, I like, he, he's an immovable object for me. But um, it's not for me to talk about him. Tell us, tell us why Prince. I mean, I, I, uh, Try to live a life without regrets, but I, I'm never going to see uh, Prince in, in, in person, yeah. which is a regret of mine. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just about the fact that, like, you know, he is, uh, he is to music what the Pope is, because Catholicism, uh, like, you know, he's, um, he's a genre creator and an innovator. Um, he is, despite the fact that he's recognised uh, for being one of the most prolific artists of his time and just ever, uh, he's still, to an extent, very underrated. Not and um, I just think, yeah, that it just needs, he needs the time and breadth and space and the, the optimal creative control to put on a show that, yeah, people will be able to hear on both sides of, uh, of life. So, you know, they'll hear, it, they'll hear it in an afterlife and here as well. And um, be a difficult night on a Saturday because there'll be people trying to, there'll be stowaways, people trying <laughs> to show up on the island and stuff. So once they find out, people <laughs> basically like the uh, main stage is going to look like somewhat of like a purple lighthouse. And have like a beat <laughs> guiding ships in the night, guiding them with love. That's what be the motif. So it'd be like the new love generation, the power, new power generation will have a new power generator, this big old purple thing on the stage, and it'd be like a lighthouse that just beams positivity to all surrounding parts of the globe. And again, it's going to be a normal showcase where we're going to go for all the different phrases of Prince. Um, so we'll do like, you know, um, Purple Rain era, and then you can bring out like Sheila E and Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam, and then yeah. have the new power generation um, phase as well. And then he have like all of the off- and then we'll have all of like you know all of the bands that he's influenced like Ready for the World and Alexander O'Neill and Morris Day in the Time. So everyone that he's ever collaborated, Rosie Gaines, all these people are going to be here and stuff as well. And then like, you know some more other cabinet and this his friends, other people he looks up to. Why not have Little Richard? And they do a little number on the piano as well. Stevie Wonder, cool. like yeah, it's wow. going to be insane the Saturday. Can he do? Can he do the? Um... Can he do some of the Batman album as well? Can he do? Uh, you know he will. It's <laughs> Tommy. He's gonna, you know he's going to do it. <laughs> you know he'll do it. And if you're going to do the Batman album, he'll be like, it wouldn't be a real Batman celebration if Seal doesn't do Kiss from a Rose. Everyone's like, ah! <laughs> Roses and lights. Yeah, right. I, I can I can just hear like I can just hear him opening with I, I can just see it all going dark and I can hear uh, the opening monologue of Let's Go Crazy. Like, exactly beloved. I was thinking of, oh, absolutely. We are gathered here today.
yeah. Yeah, oh, how, did, how did you first get into Prince? Can you really, can you remember how you um, first? I can, I think, uh, probably my first Prince song. Yeah, I think I kind of got into Prince around New Power Generation era. So I probably heard songs like Cream and Get Off first and loved them. And I was like, this is amazing. I don't know what he's talking about, but <laughs> I love it. Um, and then I guess then, then there was just, I think for most people, the whole thing with Prince was, if you weren't uh, clued up, then it was kind of the media trying to smear him for him trying to get out of his uh, record contracts and stuff and, you know, being an artist formerly known as Prince. And again, like Kirk Cobain, and, you know, it's a real telling aspect that, again, for such an innovator, was considered crazy at the time. When really, again, he was trying to give a very uh, important commentary about uh, ownership of masters and publishing and just the inner workings of the music industry and uh, how his uh, freedom was being curtailed. So I kind of found out about him then. And then I think, yeah, very retroactively found out about then Purple Rain. Then probably heard the songs from Purple Rain before actually seeing Purple Rain. Um, and then in a weird way, almost, I think I heard MC Hammer's song Pray before I heard um, When Doves Cry, <laughs> where it's sampled from. And then obviously once you yeah. hear When Doves Cry, it's amazing. And I think that was my introduction to Prince. And then when he did the song My Name Is Prince, which I thought was an amazing song. So, yeah. Uh, and I think but yeah, obviously at the time, I couldn't afford to get albums. So you'd get singles and hear stuff as and when. Uh, but yeah, I don't think for a very long time I didn't, didn't really hear a Prince song I didn't like. Did you try and get tickets to him, to him live? Um, probably not for a long time, because I just probably had the money. I was... The thing with comedy as well is that your weekends are kind of sewn up for you anyway. So a lot of the time when it's like, oh, I want to do this, it's like, I already know by it. And... I guess socially, a lot of people that I, when I, before I started doing comedy, wouldn't have been the kind of people that would see Prince at a festival. So I probably, yeah. more recent last five, six years of my life is where I've probably seen more live performance than I'd have seen when I was younger. So, yeah, I didn't really get a chance to see him live. Just really, really concert going people. More of a PA in a nightclub kind of experience <laughs> for me. When, when Doves Cry is, I think, one of my favourite songs. I'm not a massive Prince fan as a whole, but When Doves Cry is sort of, sort of supersedes everything and it's just one of the I think the first time I heard it as well was in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet there's a, cho a choral version of it yeah exactly I think that's the first time I'd heard it and then you go back and find out where it came from and just it's incredible Even the, even the original, yeah, and then Genuine did a cover of it as well. And like I said, it's been it's been sampled so many times. Um, oh, and, Met and uh, Metallica, which is the worst fucking thing ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> watch it, it, a live version. It's I, I, I spoke about it yesterday, but oh my god, it's fucking hilarious. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's, one those, it's one of those things where it's like if you're if you're a guitarist, it's like that's something you want to be able to play as well as like, are you going to go my way by Lenny Kravitz, that early guitarist there as well. So yeah, yeah, I just think, I just think, yeah, Prince is, is exceptional. That being said, you know, he and uh, Rick James had a rivalry. It may yeah. serve to have them 
play it out on the stage. <laughs> and they both can, Dave, pick... can, can Dave Chappelle referee it? Of course he can. <laughs> <laughs> he got a plane. He can get to the island. <laughs> how good would that be? And then you know how Chappelle does that? Oh, because so we make Chappelle can headline on Saturday. Once he's finished, he comes over to the music stage and then he's like, it's time to clash, bitches. And then he goes, wow, look who it is, Mr. Magic Man. Let's do it once and for all, shall we? I'm one of the baddest motherfuckers of all time. One of the best singers and one of the best looking motherfuckers you've ever seen. Hold my drink, bitch. You walk into any chick looking the whole Saturday face, man. I'm Rick James, bitch. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> I've got to show you this on my wall quickly. I've got a picture of uh, Prince next to. Uh, wait, hold on. Can you see Dave Chappelle? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Prince next to him. Just while we're here, Tommy, can we just confirm that that is also a picture of Stone Cold Steve Austin that's next? Oh, to yeah, it's, it's, it's my random it's my random pictures wall. Hold on. It's, it's a mo- it's me, and Eric, it's me and Eric Cantona. Nice. Uh, there's some Man United, but yeah. Um, I like that. I like that. It's all over the place. That's that wall, a good mood board. That's a good mood board. I like that. Yeah, I get don't know st- how it started. Get Stone Cold Steve Austin on stage with them then. There we go. I don't know what he'll do. But... <laughs> <laughs> he might, that sounds like the kind of thing he'd do. Maybe he'd come in and just be like... <laughs> just half, halfway through, halfway through like 1999, you just hear a glass yeah. smash. And then like... <laughs> Yeah, and then Prince starts playing that on the guitar. Oh, brilliant. I think it might be nice as well. What if we do like a uh, Love Roller Coaster by Rick James and then Red Hot Chili Peppers come on stage as well, helping yes. us? Because, like, you know, because like you know, Prince has got the whole new power generation behind him. So then you know yeah. it should be fair that Rick James can call some people in so he can get like the chili peppers in. Say <laughs> what? Assemble assemble your crew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Assemble your crew. Assemble your crew. I'll be outside. <laughs> we shouldn't we shouldn't brush over Joan Rivers either because Joan yes, Rivers yes. is just like almost a queen of snark or yeah exactly she is and that's the thing is that um you know we're on a festival that uh definitely uh heeds uh some of the adversity that women in comedy deal with as well so we just want to do something very good for the ladies and again uh joan rivers is an amazing comic with a uh, career that has spanned uh, generations um i was taught support for Catherine ryan who uh was uh, made it very clear that she's a massive inspiration to her as well so i imagine that Catherine would be happy to introduce her and be on the bill so, and yeah, I just think so. Joan, just giving her impact on comedy again, would just be a nice uh, springboard for introducing some of the most uh, you know unique and amazing talent uh, we have from women comics because we want to smash any kind of narratives which suggest that women aren't funny. So, you know, Joan Rivers will be introducing maybe Monique, and she could introduce Sarah Silverman, and again, cameos. We want to share the love all the time. So yeah, definitely can't downplay uh, Joan Rivers at all. Love that voice, and I think as well she'd be a really good host for like the daily podcast when we talk about what happened. Every time we speak to like an artist that's come back, then she could be like, oh, oh, darling, what do you think about Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I think she'd be wonderful.
Should she's we move on, on to the time? Right. Should we move on to Sunday night and the final night headliners? Right. I mean, I, I don't want to move away from this day, but yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's, it's, it might be controversial, but I think just given the level of logistics, this is the best way to do it. So on Sunday, the headliner in the comedy tent will be Bill Hicks. It's just a ride. But we always kill those good guys who try and tell us that. You ever notice that? And let the demons run amok? But it doesn't matter because it's just a ride. And we can change it anytime we want. It's only a choice. No effort, no work, no job, no savings of money. A choice right now between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to put bigger locks on your door, buy guns, close yourself off. The eyes of love instead see all of us as one. Here's what we can do to change the world right now to a better ride. Take all that money we spend on weapons and defense each year and instead spend it feeding, clothing, and educating the poor of the world, which it would many times over, not one human being excluded, and we can explore space together, both inner and outer, forever. Yes. And it's important that people... It's important that people probably attend that and we get that little, we get that kind of get that little set in the pace because Michael Jackson is headlining on Sunday. Oh my God. Now, I know there's always this dichotomy of uh, Prince and Michael Jackson fans, but we all know, irrespective of how you feel, the Michael Jackson thing is going to be the most expensive part of the festival. Because yes. we're talking cars. We're talking 100 backing dancers. We're talking the robot from Moonwalker that turns into a rocket ship. <laughs> we're talking transforming into an animat animatronic rabbit that rides on a motherfucking Harley Davidson. Speed demon. <laughs> we are talking... Children dancing and singing and transforming into different animals and stuff as well. We're talking Captain EO, only available at Epcot Center and Disneyland in Florida. We're talking, about <laughs> We're talking holograms. We are talking Michael Jackson, the entire anthology with holograms on Sunday. All the eras. I'm talking even the Jackson era with the cartoons, his solo career on Motown. We're talking Sony. We're talking Bad. We're talking all the people he's influenced, all coming out, one after the other, joining him on dances. Neo, Chris Brown, Amarian, Genuine, everyone, Britney, like, <laughs> if you've worn a trilby on your head in a video and gloves without fucking fingers, you gotta be at this dance festival, all right? If you've worn white socks and loafers, you're out there. It goes yeah. down, it's Michael Jackson, it's gonna be insane. I wear that. I wear that outfit. Yeah, everyone has I, to. I do. Everyone has yeah. to. That's the only requirement of the festival. I wear every festival. But that last night, oh, we all doing cosplay. There's gonna be rhinestone gloves going up, like <laughs> left and right, all over the <laughs> island. And do you remember in like when Michael Jackson brought out like was it uh, history? And there was like a big Michael Jackson statue. We're gonna unveil yeah. one again. <laughs> Oh, what about the, uh, or, or can, we, can we use the one from uh, outside the Fulham, outside Craven Cottage? You that's, can use them, of course you can. It. You can use all of them. We're going to do replicas of all the statues. And what they're going to do, they're all going to fire lasers from their eyes at the end into the White House bunker 
Dead by. <laughs> are you riffing or have you already already thought of that aspect? I mean I was thinking I, riff, I was I was thinking riffing, but why stop there? Why not have lasers <laughs> in this eyes just firing everywhere at the spot regimes throughout the world? I'm sorry. Uh, are journalists going missing in your Saudi palace? Laser, laser, laser. <laughs> are you still trying to nuclear proliferate after the Kyoto Agreement? Lasers. Laser lasers. Okay. <laughs> you touched on before we get into Michael Jackson. You touched on Bill Hicks, and it's sort of going back to what you said about Kurt Cobain. It'd be interesting to see how he reacts to 2020. I think Bill Hicks would have an absolute yeah. field day on the last absolutely, years. and we'd all love to hear it. And I think again, listening to him muse about you know the world and semantics of how our world is governed in this day and age would be very interesting. And it's being unabashed and you know just being like a nice yeah um, introspection on his behalf. Uh, I think it'd be inspiring for a lot of massive comedy fans for him to see where it's gone again. And um, yeah, I think what I would, might be again, would serve to be quite interesting is having him speak to maybe other comedians and staff that have been, he's influenced or that want to ask him questions. And this, yeah, would have like him do an amazing set, as you said, another field day with contemporary phenomena. And then, yeah, just listen to what he thinks about the world and doing a little bit of Q&A. And maybe, you know, um, his viewpoint on some things and stuff as well. He was the, uh, that was the first comedy DVD I ever got, actually. I think my, my sister bought it me for like my 13th or 14th birthday. Um, and yeah, I, I, again, like it's, it's mad. This, this is like pretty much a, a dream festival for me. I mean, I've said this before. I, I, I like a lot of things, but yeah, Bill Hicks is like a long time hero. He's, he's, he's one of the best. Cause I mean, and it might be, I know it can sound super wanky and other comics might laugh at me, but I always think, the real uh, apex of this art form as an observational comedian is that you, first of all, again, it's like being very accurately to be able to capture the superficial and the stuff we can see. Then it's about transcending that and it's about having your stream of consciousness, be able to link with other peoples once we do scratch the surface, observational comedy. And then finally, it's about uh, its philosophy. And Bush, President Bush, a complete surprise, he turned into a demon man. When he was first president, they called him the Wimp President. I mean, this was the cover of Newsweek. Wimp President. Apparently, this stuck in this guy's craw. Guy turned into a fucking demon man. We surrender. Not good enough. We run away. Too little, too late. <laughs> We're having way too much fun. Those guys were in hog heaven out there. You understand, man? They had a big weapons catalog opened up. What's G12 do, Tommy? Well, it says here it destroys everything but the fillings in their teeth. Helps us pay for the war effort. Well, shit, pull that one up. Pull up G12, please. Cool. What's G13 do? A comedy is about almost like trying to make observations about reality, but not doing them confined along political lines or social or religious lines which kind of is what philosophy is. It's like, you know, it's pondering, it's being pondering your existence and it's discussing your existence, but not along very rigid lines that we use to interpret our reality, like our five senses, for example. 
So for example, the idea philosophically that you think therefore you are is not really based on anything physical. The idea is that it's your concept of your self-image generates your reality. That's, how, that's what kind of what that means. I think therefore I am. And I say all that to say this, is that Bill Hicks stated he was like, you know, human beings are all part of a collective consciousness experiencing life subjectively as tight fields of energy, you know, within this shells as a carbon-based life form. For me, it's like, once you can make that observation accurately, you don't need to do anything else as a comedian. Yeah. Because there's no truth that's going to resonate with other human beings more than that statement. There's, there's no more accurate observation for a human being to be able to, in, to understand as far as I'm concerned. So once you've got there, and, you know, he, he almost didn't need to do anything else. So that, and, and you notice now with, like, you know, people like Dave Chappelle, where he recently made eight, four, six. This man kneeled on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Can you imagine that? This kid thought he was gonna die. He knew he was gonna die. He called for his mother. He called for his dead mother. I've only seen that once before in my life. My father, on his deathbed, called for his grandmother. When I watched that tape, I understood this man knew he was gonna die. It's not really that laughter heavy, but it's the idea that now he's transcended to the point whereby now it is here he's musings about our existence and where we may be going towards as a collective consciousness. And with any kind of musing like that, there'll be some laughs and there'll be some trauma, but it's really just about, there's that real connection where it's like, when we talk about comedy and the validity of it, we always go, oh, he's saying what I'm thinking. But now we're going past what even conscious thought and it's more about subconscious thought and he's saying what you're thinking. And so, yeah, that's why for me, Bill Hicks is so important. And some people are like, yeah, but he was not always that funny. He was kind of preaching. It's like, but that's the thing is that really within human conversation, comedy is normally used as an icebreaker so that we can find a mutuality between each other. That's how people kind of have a laugh because we share a laughter because it's over a throne that we all understand because laughter is universal. Once you get to that stage whereby you don't even need people to laugh or actually have, a emotional reaction to what you're saying it's just a meeting of minds then you've kind of got to that level of just it's you know it's just, it's just philosophy so that's why you know bill hicks is so good at what he did and why it's so important because like i said i know that sounds wanky and most comedians won't see it that way but he got there he basically got to that point it's, 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 it's just a, a state of being um my friend was saying um yesterday but he's an artist but talking about like even quantum fields where it's like you are always occupying the same space at the same time as a human being or just a being of existence that your time is, there's no like time or linear. Who you are now is who you were then is who you're going to be then. And that's proven by the fact that if it's 2020 now, but I think about a shitty time I had at a festival in 2016, my mind can still go there and my body can still repeat the same kind of emotions and feeling, which means I'm still there because I can always move there from time travel and in the same way that like I can think about where I was an hour ago and how I may have felt or how I felt when I woke up but it's still the same person so it's just what it means about you're still having that same experience so yeah for Bill Hicks to get to work that out that early you just don't need to do anything else that's yeah. how, it's like you're not there's no truth that's gonna supersede that one that you can relate to other human beings yeah and so that's why and I'm it's so sad like how he um you know he obviously went so early and I've, I've got a book about him and I had to stop reading it because I got too upset about it. Like when I, I found out about his, his cancer and, and yeah, his stuff. I get it. But um, at the same time, you shouldn't be sad, man. But like I said, because 
I find it very depressing to think someone that talented and you know insightful, we didn't see everything they said. But that's why I say, once you can work that out, he's fine. You're okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah you've you basically you you stared at that's the you know that's the nexus of reality. You've seen it. So. And he was he 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 was funny as fuck as well. Like, he was, he was and, so, and, and so you know what funny. he's like. He wouldn't give a fuck about something like cancer and that kind of thing, because yeah. he, he it's almost as if the way he conducted himself, he already had contempt for the idea of a mortal call anyway. Because that's the thing about comedy is that we're not supposed to take this shit seriously anyway. That's that's yeah. that's the validity, the validity of our narrative as artists is that we don't we find the stuff in life that's not that serious. So we're supposed to like muse about all of the systems and stuff that govern. Uh, you know, human existence. So comedians are supposed to satirize government. We're supposed to ridicule religion or institutionalize religion because the idea is that in your quantum of your own being, like, you know, you're supposed to know who you are and who can, who else can really tell you who you're supposed to be. And we can ridicule these ideas. And, not, and it's not always ridicule, but it's like, there's always an alternative idea. We're observational comedians, so we look at things objectively. So it's like when Doug, Doug Stanhope, for example, when he talks about politics, but he's like, what if I don't want anyone to lead me? What then? And, and that's, that should be always be the real answer as a comedian. So which is why it's like anyone who's a comedy writer, for example, where you're like, oh, trans, like, so we were talking earlier about someone having issues with the trans community. It's like, if you're a comedian, why would that be weird to you? Like, I find it weird that people believe in horoscopes. So how can you believe that you're an intergalactic space crab, but someone becoming a woman is far-fetched to you? And then people yeah. are like, but why do you say that? That's a bit rude. Yeah, but I'm a Sagittarius. What does that mean? Well, I believe that I have a lot in common personality-wise with a centaur from space. <laughs> Doesn't that sound weirder to you? If, yeah. if someone says, oh, a woman feels like a man, yeah. that's weird. What makes you say mm -hmm. that? Well, it's just my it's a horoscope. That's the kind of person I am. You know, I share the same kind of personality traits with yeah, a well. Siamese twin from space. You'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Are you, are you, <laughs> if you didn't know what a zodiac was and someone said, what kind of person? How would you describe yourself? I'd describe myself as a space scorpion. <sighs> like, what? Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. A space scorpion that likes sex. So that's why. It's <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, man? You know, so that, for me as a comedian, like, that's been a big part of my just journey as a person, as well as like an artist, is that like, I'm not supposed to, I don't, I will always sell myself short artistically if I entertain anything too seriously. So as far as I'm concerned, when people are like, oh, the trans thing's getting out of control and blah, blah, blah. Like how much in your fucking day does it take if someone says, my name is this and I'd like you to, to refer to me as this? That's two seconds out of my day to do that for somebody. I don't yeah. care. I grew up in Southeast London. None of us use our names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. None of, yeah. Us, none of my friends use our names. No one, only people that call me Dane outside of work are, is my mom and my dad. Yeah. My sisters and my family. No one, none of my friends or people I like use my name. So if that's fine for us, why, if someone says they want to refer to themselves in this particular way, why does it matter? Also, it's like, how it's important... Up. Yeah, it's, it's just because it just doesn't matter to your life. I don't understand yeah. in a world. Whatever, if someone does stuff and it doesn't make me poor or cry or come or bleed, what the <laughs> fuck has it got to do with me? Yeah. No, it doesn't have anything well to said, do with man. me. Yeah. There is no aspect of a normal sexuality because how you discover your sexuality is different from other people everywhere. If you grow up in a repressive area or, or a place where, you know, a woman's body can't be shown or they can't sexualize certain aspects of a woman's body, then when you see it, you're going to be a lot more, it's going to have a lot more of an impact on you as opposed to if you grow up in an indigenous um, Amazonian village where women's boobs are out all the time, seeing women's boobs, you'll just be like, eh, because indigenous tribes, women didn't have bras and they walked out topless all the time and work still got done. So, yeah. Again, that's what I mean. 
our understandings of sexuality and sexual and sexuality and vulgarity are all based on very external factors. So I say what I have to say this, it's not a big part of our lives because at some point in our life, just being able to get the fuck up and down off a toilet seat will mean a lot more than getting your dick sucked. So with that in line, with that in mind, it's like how much does it fucking matter in the first place? Because there'll be a point yeah. in time you can't be bothered to fuck people and it won't be and it won't play a major part of a relationship you have with somebody. Like when people are really, really old, you see two old people holding hands and sitting down. They're not worrying about whether or not they're going to be able to get up or if she shaved their pussy before they fuck. It's not a priority <laughs> at that point in your life. Yeah. So, it's Mate, I feel, I, I feel, I feel like, I feel like uh, Bill Hicks is transcending through you right now. <laughs> you know what? To be honest, like, like I said, without being wanky, I'd be fucking honoured if I can even arrive at that um, state of being where you're just you transcend all this stuff. It's like for me, it's like free thinking, but it's like third eye thinking, where it's like. If if, you, if people really believe in a higher being or creator that is completely vast and omnipotent and omnipresent, then for you to even worry about this kind of shit, aren't you arguing with the omnipotent aspects of your God? Like, he knows, they, the creator knows what they're fucking doing, doesn't care what you think. What, what do you know? Uh, I don't think men and women should blah, blah, blah. Oh, what the fuck do you know? Because you're saying, then you're saying that this creator is making mistakes. I, I like I like that we've uh, come full circle talking about the third eye of your bum to uh, third eye thinking. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Because none of it does none of it fucking matters. You just never take this shit too seriously. And like, I, I guess that's kind of the ethos of the afterlife festival is that you know we spend a lot of time trusting in the uh, material and the physical to try and achieve some level of maturity or immortality. But really, what we want to ed uh, educate people is that your way of living forever or continuing to live on is the way you imprint on other human beings and what that generates. Because even though you guys aren't necessarily here, the next time we think about this conversation, I can conjure an image of you guys in my head. And as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned, that's as real as where you're sitting now in terms of my distance and where I can see you from. So yeah. that's how you continue to live. And this is why artists have such an enormous imprint on human beings because it's the idea of taking something conceptual and metaphysical and making it, communicating it to you in a way as a person you can understand it. So I've never met Kurt Cobain, but because of what he created, I can understand what he's about. And even though mm -hmm. he's no longer here, I can still talk about him and his image and the feelings that he elicits within you guys as fans will still remain the same whether he's here or not. And that's yeah. the idea for me is that that's the thing about artists. It's not the fame and the glamour. It's that having that finger on humanity which is why it resonates with people so much. And that's, and that's what people like about artists and stuff as well, is that this person can elicit a feeling within you which doesn't require you to be sitting in a particular aspect or echelon of society for you to enjoy or understand it. So, yeah, that's what well I said, man. Talk, um, talking about the influence that um, people have had over here, Michael Jackson, were you ever one of the people that like did the single glove or learned how to do dance routines, um, moonwalk and stuff like that? Oh, moonwalk, yeah. You know, I just think you have to you have to give a moonwalk a go. <laughs> I think that's a part of it, yeah, for our for our generation. If you didn't give a moonwalk a go, like people in wheelchairs will try and moonwalk. So going back to what I said about uh Triple X Tentacion, is is his legacy tainted for you at all, like with the since the documentary and stuff? For me, until I have solid proof, I can't really go on board. That being said. I am under no illusions that Michael Jackson is a normal guy. But then by the yeah. same token, I don't know you would define as a normal person these days anyway. Yeah. Um, I just think, I just think, I mean, I have my theories regarding Michael Jackson, you know, it's a, a, the most famous black man in the world who uh, basically realized his career circa the sixties. And you have to remember what 
America looked like in the 60s when Michael Jackson was first emerging and then, you know, what his position would have to be at a time when America was experiencing some of its most civil unrest since now. And, you know, there was some little kid from Indiana trying to endear yourself to a middle American audience. Um, so for me, that explains a lot of the uh, body disorder. And as, 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 as Kanye West said, um, you know, he had to... He had to fight to get his videos on MTV. He had to fight to get Thriller yeah. on MTV, yeah. which, you know, we can't turned out to be that. the... You couldn't even yeah. imagine that. Like, uh, that was like 1981, 1982. Uh, 1981, I was born in 1981. Imagine, imagine trying to explain to people that Michael Jackson is fighting to get videos onto a TV station. Like, people would laugh at you. You'd be like, well, how could that be a TV station without Michael Jackson music? Biggest pop star of all time, yeah. Of all time, yeah. So it's like, you know... I, that, as far as the body dysmorphia thing, even like I said, you know, if you've been had, and you see people lament it now and talk about mental health in terms of celebrity and dealing with newfound fame and scrutiny, the ubiquitousness of social media that everyone complains about now, that was Michael Jackson's life, his whole life. Yeah. And I think people, and there will never be someone, an, an archetypal celebrity like that again, like where everything you do is scrutinized. If you go to the shops, if you pass a window and a paparazzi catches you, paparazzi catches you. And a lot of people don't understand that was his life. Going, going back to uh, the festival, to Michael Jackson, what, what, song would be, um, what song would be closing the festival? Heal the world. Yeah. <laughs> you all the other acts on the stage to do it. There you go, that's it. Build the world. Just think about the YouTube hits for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Forget Gangnam Style, that's becoming the most watched that's video on YouTube. But that's because Sai will be there as well. And why not have Sai <laughs> Michael Jackson Gangnam Style? Ah, oh, how good would that be? How good would that be, Johnny? Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Michael Jackson would nail that dance routine as well. Okay, exactly. Yeah. So he'd be like, open. <laughs> I want to see a Michael Jackson Prince collaboration as well, if possible. It has to be done. I think so. With Gangnam uh, Style as well. <laughs> you, get, you get Michael Jackson and Prince together finally at last and what song are they doing Gangnam Style <laughs> people go mental remember we don't take this shit too seriously and they just be like yeah fuck it <laughs> it would be amazing man be yeah, super melody K jumps on stage is this the way to <laughs> <laughs> let me know uh, Tommy do you want to run through Dane's festival yeah so uh <laughs> <laughs> so the festival is on what shit what was that what was the little uh, st james island? yeah so the festival's on little st james island and it will be called uh the island of sorry the the island itself will change the name to the island of james consent uh the festival name is laugh the life festival and it's music and comedy festival uh will be giving people flowers while they're still here that was the uh that was the motto wasn't it um 
So, and also we'll have halos, not wristbands, and toilets are in the shape of Epstein's mouth. On the Friday, we've got uh, our music headliner is Kurt Cobain with guests. So the likes of Jimi Hendrix and people from this generation you'd like to see him collaborate with. The comedy legend Patrice O'Neill is our comedy headliner. Um, and the, sorry, the money from that day will go, to, the revenues go to pro-feminist charities globally. And we'll have a podcast with Q&As for each day of the festival. Saturday, we've got the immortal Prince headlining, uh, just doing everything, including Batman. And we'll also have Joan Rivers as the uh, comedy headliner. And we'll also, I forgot to mention, Rick James versus Prince with Dave Chappelle refereeing in the a fight for the ages that we've all wanted to see. Sunday, we've got the King of Pop, Michael Jackson headlining. And again, everything from the Jackson 5 to, uh, well, everything he's ever done. Jackson um, 5 to Gangnam Style. Yeah, Michael Jackson. To Gangnam Style, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's just a free-for-all. Michael Jackson says, you know him, he was like, I like uh, it. So I was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I always had a good career in career, so I think it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll have uh, the the uh, the prophet Bill Hicks headlining the comedy stage. Uh, Dane, thanks for coming on. That was an incredible festival. Thank it you very fun. much, Dane. It was fun, and thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been great, man. And it will happen one day. I'll see you there. I'll see you there. At the last <laughs> that's gonna be that's the new thing, man. That's from now on. Like, obviously, we're in uh, you know hard times with the uh, outbreak and stuff. But like, yeah, I'll see you at the Laughter Life Festival one day. That was episode seven of Your Fest with the fantastic and incredibly entertaining and interesting and intelligent and every other superlative that I can possibly think of. Dame Baptiste, um, an interesting concept for a festival. Um, a bit of comedy in there as well, which is always well received. Yeah, that's my... Uh, I mean, it's kind of unbelievable that we've had so, so many comedians on and he's the first person who's actually thought of that. But um, yeah, I don't... That lineup, I mean, it doesn't really get many much bigger. Like, doesn't really get more epic than that. The, both, the, you know, the comedians and the, uh, uh, well, the comedians, the eyes, and the location, actually. <laughs> mm, I think um, I'm a bit worried that uh, by the time the listeners are listening to this, uh, we might both be questioned by the FBI for too much discussion <laughs> about Little Saint James. But um, yeah, I was, I was. Yeah. Uh, the first time that we've had Prince, which I know you were very happy about. The first time that we've had Kurt Cobain, which I was very happy about. So, a uh, very good festival all around, I think. Yeah, as I like, it doesn't really get more legendary. And Kurt Cobain, I, I suppose Nirvana is like a massive, uh, a massive, like possibly our biggest like shared love, I suppose, musically. I would, I would say. Would you say? I'd still say Collision Course by Linkin Park. In <laughs> Yeah, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> sorry. If you enjoyed uh, listening to Dane on today's Every podcast, fucking time. Yeah, you sorry. can fo- If you enjoyed listening to Dane on today's podcast, you can follow him on Twitter at Dane Bap Tweets. Such a good pun. Uh, you can follow Your Fest on Twitter at Your Fest Podcast, which is the same handle on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Johnny Gabriel, and you can follow Tommy on Twitter and Instagram at Tom Andrew Stewart. Also, can we give a shout out to the No Context Your Fest page? 
Yeah, if you want to see all our <laughs> ridiculous goings on with absolutely all the context stripped from it, follow OOC Your Fest on Twitter. Um, and a shout out to Juliet, I think. Yeah, who's Juliet, who's, who's like that from Switzerland. I, I mean, John, is she really? I think she's Swiss. Like, t- That's tweet class. us if you're not Swiss. Yeah. <laughs> no, Johnny's obviously like a master of Twitter, but she is. Uh, I mean, in terms of our podcast, she's like way funnier than us. So, like, she's so good. So follow follow that at OOC Your Fest, and we'll see you again next week for more in context conversations about music festivals for episode eight. <laughs> Goodbye. Waka waka. Love you. Love you. Bye.